Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Yeah, sing, sing, some, sing some opera. I am. <laughs> Simba is born. Well, hello there, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials. And if you can't tell, if you are a returning listener, today's a little bit different, very unique. Not every single day are we opening up a episode with some singing and announcing of Simba's birth. <laughs> and, and today, I get to introduce you to a really good friend of mine, Ryan Castellez. But before I talk to you about Ryan and why this episode is so different, on this show, we are all about doing things a little bit differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here as a first-time listener, hearing my voice for the very first time, or if you're returning, coming back every single week, I appreciate you so much. You have no idea how grateful I am that you are taking time out of your day to expand and grow. Every single week, I'm interviewing incredible humans that are making a massive impact in the world so that I can pull out their best strategies, their techniques, their mindsets to encourage you to take what they are doing to create the impact that you want to create in the world. And as I mentioned before, today's guest is Ryan Castellez, and I am so excited to introduce you to him because Ryan's a good friend. And uh, I'll explain in the episode the story of how we met and why I love Ryan's work so much. But uh, as a teaser, I was a huge fan of Ryan's before I ever met him. And uh, it's been really cool to get to know him and uh, develop this friendship over the years. But as always, there's there's so much gold in today's episode, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, in the very beginning, we talk about a story that originates from the old country buffet <laughs> from when Ryan was a kid. And it's this really beautiful story that may or may not have to do with like a little bit of disgusting liquid, <laughs> but it showed his childhood genius. Number two, I want you to look out for how you can create a movement. We talk a lot about the importance of building a business with your purpose and Ryan's philosophies on how to come up with unique approaches and ways of thinking that create a culture around something. So that is super, super incredible. And number three, I want you to look out for something that Ryan calls the matrix reference. So at this point, you don't know about Ryan, but um, I'm actually going to 
you know what? I'm going to do this a little bit differently because this is such a different episode. I'm going to read Ryan's bio and then I'm going to explain what the heck I meant by the matrix reference. So I'm pulling up right now. You can't see this obviously, but Ryan's got a new book out called the new art of coffee from morning cup to caffeine cocktail. And I'm going to open up to the very back to read his bio. Ryan Castellez is the founder and creative director of discourse coffee, which growler magazine called the most gonzo balls to the wall, experimental coffee house. <laughs> and I can attest to that. And you will absolutely find out what we're talking about in this episode about that. Originally in Door County, Wisconsin, he moved to Milwaukee, where he and his team have multiple coffee workshops. His inventive drink making has been featured on the Emmy Award winning PBS program, Wisconsin Foodie, actually how I first heard about Ryan, and has been featured in print in Barista Magazine, Food and Wine, Plate Magazine, Daily Coffee News, El Restaurante, uh, Clever Root, Milwaukee Mag, the Milwaukee Journal, Sentinel, and Door County Living. So uh, I know I'm flipping a little bit, a little bit back and forth, but I'm going to go back to the third thing to look out for. You heard in his bio how he creates ball to the wall experimental experiences. So one of the things I want you to look out for towards the end is he talks about this drink he invented called the Matrix Reference, and I'm going to read this from his book just so you can see just a taste of the craziness that goes on inside of Ryan's mind and how much innovation he's bringing to the coffee world. But here's from his book. It says, I'm constantly on the hunt for surprising and novel ingredients, but it's a rare occasion that one shakes me to my very core. Miracle Berry is one such ingredient. It contains a bit of magic within it. The capacity to rewire your taste buds to taste sweet in place of sour. You heard that correctly, to taste sweet in place of sour. Courtesy of a compound called Miraculin, a glycoprotein and taste modifier, the Miracle Berry Sweet Sour Switch lasts anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours and is shockingly effective. For Matrix reference, an allusion to the little red pill that changes everything for Neo in the classic 1999 film The Matrix, the same drink is placed on both sides of a small red tablet containing a supple dose of Miracle Berry. The experience is shocking with the first glass drinking tart, sorry, drinking tart and tannic and the second sweet, complex and full. We love serving this drink with a bounty of sour candy and citrus fruits as even a lemon can be enjoyed as a hand fruit while under the influence of Miraculin. So guys, like this is the kind of thing when we talk about balls to the wall coffee experiences, this dude's on a hunt for things like like freaking miracle berry to rewire your taste buds to experience coffee differently. So anyways, I'm just so excited because, and this is honestly one of my favorite interviews that I've done, not only because it's the first in-person interview that I've ever done and there was just so much energy, but it is just Ryan's passion, his, his, his desire to really revolutionize the art of coffee and the way that we're doing things in the world and enjoying coffee in a whole new way. is just contagious. So I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this. And then, uh, uh, one other thing is that we ended this episode on a cliffhanger and we decided that we were going to do a part two. We were going to try to do it in the same night. Um, but as you'll find out, my wife, Leah was making some beautiful dinner. We finished dinner and we were like, we're too to do a part two. So at the time of this recording, I'm recording this intro. We still have yet to do our part two, but that is going to come out because there was just so much juiciness that we didn't even get a chance to dive into. And so I'm super excited for you listen to listen to this incredible episode with my good friend, Ryan Castellez.
If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Ryan Castellez, for the first ever in-person recording of the show, so excited to have you here, man. It's going to be so much fun. So excited to be here, Brandon. This is a, a joy. I feel like we've talked about this for a while. So to like make it happen and be sitting at this table with you right now is super exciting. Man. Yeah. And just for those of you that are listening that are want a little bit of behind the scenes, we got Leah making us some dinner in the background. <laughs> manicotti. We might have to pause <laughs> and go have some manicotti and continue. But this is going to be different. And it's really funny because I love uh, Tim Ferriss. And he has this uh, session that he does with a close friend of his. And the yeah. vibe is so different different yeah when you're just hanging out in person and so this is just a fun experiment and i, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else so amen dude <laughs> so happy to be this yeah. person for you <laughs> <laughs> so so i want to start by telling a story myself normally i wouldn't go here but i want to start by telling the story about how we met my first impressions of you so i'm basically just going to uncomfortably love on you oh, for like five straight heart. minutes and you're just going to have to sit and listen to it so oh, watch so, the video you'll be able to see my sweet face <laughs> So I don't know if I've ever told you this. So the, the, the story goes in my head is Leah's parents are huge foodies, right? And so he's always recording random shit on the DVR at his TV. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you got to check this out or whatever. And so this was like probably 2018, 2017, I guess, probably right when you were starting. But it was when you were on Wisconsin, Wisconsin Foodie. Foodie. Yeah. Yep. And so like I see this news segment of like this guy that's just – a fucking genius and passionate <laughs> at his craft. And like, so, so we saw this and you, you know, I think the thing that stuck out to me was Kren, which yeah. we can talk about in a little yeah, bit. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? And then, so it was like on our list, like when we went to Door County, like we have to visit Discourse. And so we, we go in and the first thing you see, which is again, another thing I want to dive into and planting all these seeds, but it says <laughs> liquid workshop on the sign. And it's just like, that's fascinating. And then you walk in and you get to meet you and you got this like, contagious zest for life and ridiculous passion for this brown liquid that we call coffee <laughs> yeah. and 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 you treat coffee it's it, it for you it is a canvas to tell stories 100%. and to create emotions for people 100%. and so i like there's so much that we can go into it but like when we had that first cren when we had that first experience and when you were taking us behind the scenes like this is the thought of this this is why this element is in here it's like it was one of the most incredible experiences ever and we were hooked right and Thank so you, we were obsessed with discourse and then uh we found out that you were closing down in door county and we were fucking pissed we were like <laughs> what the hell but then when we started doing these pop-ups right like so we started doing these pop-ups and they're like i just lee and i came to like every single one and there were like lines out the door like you it were gnarly. it was it gnarly. gnarly so <laughs> Basically, just to conclude me rambling, it was so funny because the day that you and I like actually started connecting was like because I had seen you. You probably didn't really remember me once because I was just like a dude in the line or whatever. But like Lee and I had went to one discourse location in Milwaukee and we didn't intend to, but we ended up at your Milwaukee Art yes. Museum one because we were just like, well, why not? Because they got some different drinks. And so we ended up spending, uh, you know, buying another one of your art drinks yes. that was at that new one. And so I, I loved what you wanted to do. And I'm like, I want to nerd out with this guy because there's so 
much that you can do. And uh, and I was like, I just kind of want this guy to be my friend. And so now here we are. <laughs> there's my version. Very much friends. <laughs> so there's my version of the story. And I've, uh, I- I'm glad that that conversation that we had has led us here today. And uh, I appreciate you for supporting the show, too. Oh, I, <laughs> man. I mean, I remember the first time, you know, that, that time at MAM, uh, at the art museum. For me, it was like, holy hell, like there's a guy like this in Milwaukee. <laughs> like, there's a guy like this that's like so passionate about what he does, so knowledgeable about what he does. And, you know, I remember you us talking about Seven Figure Millennials and the show and, and some of the people that you had interviewed and, and like the passion with which you were speaking and, and the the conscientiousness and and the knowledge that you were so freely sharing it was like okay this guy like (laughs) this guy has got to be one of those guys that is that is in my life because i feel like those connections and those people are rare yeah Um, and that's part of what i love and have loved about hospitality for the last decade is you know the ability to create connections with people like like the one we formed yeah Uh, dude it's just been so excited and i'm so excited because i feel like you're just getting started. Right. And like, I feel like that way too, like I'm just getting started too. And so it's just been, uh, it's exciting. Cause we get to be part of our entrepreneurial journey as we're doing this crazy shit. So, 100%. so, so, um, I would love to start by giving people some context. And one of the things that we're super excited to celebrate, and by the time this is recording, it's already out now, but you got a new book out called The New Art of Coffee. I'm Also, for you listening, I'm recording video right now. I don't know if it's going to work, but you know, I'm going to show it to the camera because I can be cool because we're in person, right? Camera. <laughs> um, but I went to your book launch, and you had another friend that interviewed you for it, and it was really fun for me yeah. to be a part of that and kind of like, oh, like these are some things I can ask him about. But I want to start with, something that's actually in the very introduction of your book. And I think this is like the most beautiful story of somebody that is just in massive alignment with who he always was. So I would love for you to talk about Old Country Buffet. (laughs) Talk to me about that and and, and what your parents' uh, reaction was maybe to that. (laughs) I love Old Country Buffet, man. Uh, You know, when when I was thinking about how do we we open this book, uh, what was really, really important to me was not coming off as like this pretentious dude who just like does artsy things and coffee to be artsy you know like I really didn't want the book to read that way and so when I was thinking about introductions it was like okay I think I should start with this story of how you know my origins you know and and my origins were at Old Country Buffet my family and I would go there probably two times a month and it was like this treat right you know like as a kid I was like it's paradise you know there's <laughs> endless amounts of mashed potatoes and broccoli and chicken and ice cream and salt uh, salt <laughs> and so you just were deprived of salt yeah, in your household you know, I, I love salt uh, <laughs> so I I'm a, Every time we went to Old Country Buffet, my mom – and this is one of those things that, you know, you kind of remember through your parents, you know, a little bit. And my mom would tell me how I would – at the end of the meal, and I remember one of them because I think it was specifically gruesome. um, But I would make these concoctions, and I would put, you know, kind of just like some salt, some pepper, some creamer, uh, maybe some melted ice cream. Maybe there were like some food scraps, like some mashed potatoes (laughs) and broccoli. I toss them all into a cup, uh, and I would like very enthusiastically present this to my parents like hey guys i made a, I made a concoction they would call them my concoctions uh and that was such 
what I loved about those moments, and, and you know, the, the more that I think about those moments now, um, I realize how lucky I was to, mm. to have the parents that I had, you know, who were not like, hey, food isn't to be played with. They were like, oh, let me try your concoction, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure if they ever actually drank it or if they spit it out when I wasn't looking, but like, <laughs> you know, the, the encouragement, man, it, it really set the pace for kind of the entirety of my life, you know? And, mm. and the reason I opened the book with this story is because I feel like some of the most creative, free, um, wistfully playful moments of my life were those moments at Old Country Buffet as a kid, you know? And I think as we grow up, we start to become very, very, like, product and result-oriented, mm -hmm. and, and we lose the sense of play yeah. and just making things to make things, you know, creating concoctions, putting together whatever you have in your fridge, you know, into something that you can try. And uh, maybe it's terrible, you know? So what? You know, like, it, it, that feeling of play, that adventure was something that I think so was embodied in these early moments for me as a kid. And, and I think looking back on it, it kind of shaped the course of the future for yeah. how I viewed play and creativity and, and the creation of new things. Yeah. I, it's funny. Your parents probably go into the old country buffet and they're looking for the seat next to a plant <laughs> yeah. where they can like pretend to take a drink and dump yeah. it into the... Okay. So I didn't, I didn't get to put this in the book. It got cut by my editor, but, but something that actually happened to us at old country buffet now, and you're making me think about this, uh, was we had at once a ceiling tile, you know, how they, they all had drop ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. We had a ceiling tile fall on our table. <laughs> and uh, I remember being a kid. I'm like, look, oh, what you're, is going on? You're probably like, fuck, a new ingredient. Yeah, there's like debris. I'm like putting it in the glass, you know? And, and they're like, oh, man, like we tried to make the ceiling tile fall on us so we wouldn't have to drink this concoction. Like I planted that TNT last week. Oh, man. And then the manager gives you a credit so you can, <laughs> yeah, you can, exactly. so you, so you can come back and, exactly. and make more disgusting concoctions. Hey, don't call them disgusting, <laughs> Brandon. <laughs> oh, man, I love that because – like you said, it was so cool to see that your parents didn't squash that in you, right? 100%. That they were like, hey, this is some. Because I remember, I obviously don't make concoctions, but I remember doing that too. It's just like, but, but sometimes it takes the right amount of positive affirmation 100%. to like make you want to, like, oh, this is actually something there. So I love that. So let's, we're obviously going to unwind a little bit about how. <laughs> it started with salt and pepper and debris from your table into the beautiful <laughs> shit that you're making now. But, but another thing that I loved about uh, something very subtle in the very back of the book that uh, I wanted to talk about too, is you dedicated the book to your grandpa Harv. Yeah. Um, and, and you talk about how discourse wouldn't be possible if it weren't for your grandfather. And I think this 100%. maybe alludes to a little bit about like creating discourse and stuff like that. So maybe we can fill in some of the gaps. So maybe talk about Harv and how he inspired you to create discourse. Humble Harv, Harvey Cast was, uh, he was huge for me, man. You know, I, I, I feel, I think the older I get, the more I appreciate my family. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I've been lucky in a lot of ways in life. I'm a very fortunate person, but my family is definitely like number one. Mm -hmm. Like they just have always encouraged me, always pushed me to do more. Um, and my grandpa, Harvey was like the epitome of that. You know, like this hardened old World War II vet who was just learning Facebook, you know, and like he he would he was just the cutest man. You know, if I didn't reach out to him for like four or five days, I remember once in college, he posted on my friend's wall uh, <laughs> and he said, have you seen Ryan? Just a worried old World War II veteran. <laughs> 
but like he was he was like one of those like just the nicest cutest people on earth um but he was so unbelievably unbelievably supportive and the story there were dozens of these right i mean dozens but the story that i always think about was when we were first starting original discourse up in sister bay um i I was this young dumb super enthusiastic kid who thought that i would march into city hall and tell them that i wanted to put a cool coffee shop in this derelict shopping plaza and they would give me the key to the city um you know and it wasn't that and i learned very quickly that it wasn't that um and i remember sitting at lunch with my business partner at the time and my dad uh and we were talking about the project and and i had just found out that we needed to invest another I think it was five or six grand in some sort of plumbing solution to be able to pass plumbing code. You know, and I'm bootstrapping this whole thing. You know, any money that I had, I had leverage from my dad as an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, we're both just kind of looking at each other, all three of us. And it's like, well, what do we what do we do? You know, like another five. I don't know where we get this money, you know. Um, and we told my grandpa and he was like, yeah, like, of course, like, like I I would want, like, I wanted to do this for your dad. Like, I will absolutely do this for you. Mm. Um, and and that support, like, blind support, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't ask to see a performer. You know, he didn't ask to, to see a business plan. He didn't ask for, okay, when is this going to be repaid? You know, yeah. it was none of that. It was, you have a need. I'm here to fill it. Yeah. Um, and, and that really was what allowed us to open our doors to begin with, you know, was that support. And and it went far further than fiscal. You know, some of the things that he taught me, um, humility, trust but verify is one of my favorite of his sayings <laughs> that I use all the time. Um, but but primarily, you know, humble heart, this, this thought of humility, you know, and this thought of no matter how cool you are or what you're doing, you know, it's like stay, stay humble, stay approachable, stay accessible. Um, remember where you came from, remember where you want to go, and mm. remember where you want to bring other people. Mm. Um, and I think you can really only do that from a place of, of humility. And yeah. so he, he was huge, man. And you know, he passed away, unfortunately, before the book was able to be released. Mm. And so it was really important for me to be able to put his memory in this book and, and in some way, in some small way, you know, kind of immortalize him and, and the lessons that he worked so hard to, to put into the world. That's so beautiful. And like his, he's clearly embedded into who you are and the way 100%. that you show up and the culture of discourse. Right. And so that's really, really cool that he showed not, he, he, he led through his example. And like, that's kind of what created this body of work that you now have is your, 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 your own version of humble Harv. And I think it's funny too. I, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. They call it the triple F round in fundraising, the friends, family, and fools. Yep. <laughs> so, you know? so, so, so maybe your grandpa was a combination of the, the family and the fool. <laughs> they were all a combination of the family and the fools. I mean, like this was, and at the time, I didn't even realize how absurd it was. You know, like I was a 23-year-old kid who wanted to start a coffee shop. And that was it, you yep. know. like, But like now looking back, knowing what I know about business and, and the coffee business specifically, it's like this was insane, dude. This, <laughs> this was like asinine. You know, like I, I wanted to start a volume-based business in a derelict shopping mall in a town of 600 people <laughs> with zero street signage where you had to get out of your car and search for a while to find it. Like, I, it no, 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 just to add to this, I remember my experience is like – 
is it was just like behind the Piggly Wiggly <laughs> shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, like in a basement. It's like a dusty basement, and I'm trying to do these like modernist interpretations of the coffee experience. Like it, 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 there was nothing about it that made sense. Not yeah. a single thing. And yeah. and I in a lot of ways, you know, I think that's I think that's what people really loved about it. Oh, for was, sure. Was the fact that nothing about it made sense. Yeah. So it really was this thing where it's like, this guy's crazy like this guy's fucking crazy and i love it you know and and that i think that was really what started us in the beginning was was the fact that it didn't make sense you know it it very very much stood out as something abnormal and i think that made it kind of poke into people's brains a little bit extra and you know we never for the first five years of of being in business we never spent a dime on advertising Mm -hmm. it was entirely 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 word of mouth because people would come and they'd feel like they discovered something weird and unique and silly and amazing and adventurous and um, mind-numbing in in occasions you know and and they wanted to share that because we we all want to be let in on the secret right and even more so we want to be the person letting somebody else in Yes. on the secret yes um, and and that was so powerful for us in those first few years because that was how we grew you know yeah. we, we grew through that word of mouth advertisement we grew through wisconsin foodie we grew through press um and all of that came from this fervor of there's this weird guy in a basement doing crazy <laughs> shit with coffee uh, and we we should be paying attention to this Oh man, it reminds me of there's so there's this book uh, you and I were just talking about our ridiculous book list. But I read this one forever ago. It's called Contagious by Jonah Berger. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Have you read it? Yeah. Okay. So there's the I don't, maybe you got some inspiration for this, but I remember there's this story about this bar in New York City. I'm pretty sure it's called Please Don't Tell. Yep. And yeah, yeah. So you're like you're not allowed to tell, and it's like to get into it, you have to like go inside of a phone booth, inside of a hot dog stand, yep. and like you get inside, and it's it's like part of that mystery and effort that it takes to discover something like you were saying it's like i think this also came from contagious it's like in snapple when they have those like bottle caps yep. and then you go to the the, the growth you, you know you're on a road trip with a buddy of yours you get a snapple and you open it up and then you you find value in being able to share that stupid joke on the 100%. inside percent. and it, it, it's like so I'm, now i'm combining three different things but there's this other thing called the ikea effect that's been super super powerful for me and it was that it's because they found out that people value ikea furniture more because they had to build it right, right? and so the question for the ikea effect and the application in, in in our world or in this conversation is that relationships are all about how you can mutually invest in each other 100 and like what maybe it was unintentional but it worked for you is the fact that someone had to go past a fucking piggly wiggly into a <laughs> yes. corner of nowhere yes. to find this place that they saw on a tv show yes. where this guy was creating these little balls that blew up in your mouth with coffee inside <laughs> yes. of them and then it's like you went through all that effort to have this experience it makes you that much more likely to share 100%. it like when you're talking about especially for for those of you that are listening that aren't from wisconsin which i'm assuming is the majority of people like door county is like the place to go when yes. you're hanging so it's like but when people are talking about their door county experience discourse would have been at the top of the list because they had to talk about how hard they had to work to 100%. find this damn thing so it's that yeah thing that stands out you know yeah. and you know it's so funny to me now looking back you know after six years of self-education and business and reading a lot of books like contagious you know like realizing that i did a lot of those things but like 
really didn't think about it at the time. You yeah. know, like it wasn't it wasn't like the the intent wasn't like, oh, we're gonna start the shop in this little place because PDT did this, and I know it's gonna get people <laughs> invested. You know, it was like, oh, this is open and cheap. <laughs> you know, like, we can and, fix the plumbing issues. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and and so now it's been so interesting for me, kind of looking back on the journey. You know, knowing now what I didn't then, and being able to identify like, oh, that was a that was a good move, or that. I was kind of stupid, you know, but like, I think it's, it's that willingness to just dive in and do it. You know, yeah. like, I, I think sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not good enough at that. Well, I'm not an expert at that yet. And, and the reality is that like most people are just freaking winging it, dude. Yeah. You know, like most people are faking it until they're making it, you know? Mm. And I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. I think there's, I think there's a lot of people and myself included, right? Like, when we get to a level of competence where we are no longer faking it, it becomes boring and we want to scale up to that next right. level of competence where we are again something. faking it uh, <laughs> until we get to that level and then we scale up again and then we are again faking it. Um, and I, I think this goes all the way up the value chain, man. Like, yeah. you know, and, and that to me is liberating and exciting. Yeah. You know, like living within the realization that like, no matter how composed somebody is, nobody really knows what they're doing. You know, yeah. we're, we're all kind of playing around in this world and trying to figure it out as we go. And and I think the people who go the farthest, the people who are at those upper echelons of society, are the people who are the most comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, they are the most comfortable with realizing that every notch in that journey is going to be this new set of skills and knowledge and abilities that they didn't previously hold. Yeah, and when they hold it, now they can look back at all those other stages. And and say like, oh, actually, I knew this way back six years ago, but I didn't even realize I right, knew it. Right. That's so cool. And um, one of the people that I interviewed recently, and like now he's coming up in like all my conversations, but Dr. Benjamin Hardy is coming out with this new book. And at the time of this recording, it's not out yet, but uh, it's called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And the whole premise of it is that life is a series of like 10x jumps right yeah. and like every jump you make there's a 20 percent of activities that yield the greatest results but the crazy part is that as you continue to make these jumps what used to be in your 20 percent then becomes your 80 percent and it's like it's right. cool because i've seen your evolution it's like your 20 percent used to be coming up with all the drinks yep. but now your leadership it's like you have other people using your philosophies to create drinks of their own and sell it at your store. So yes. like that, that, that is no longer your 20% maybe to be the person. Now you're transitioning into that next level of like, okay, I've trained a team 100%. to handle this kind of stuff. Now I'm going to adventure into the new land and figure 100%. out all this other stuff. And so. that's crazy, man. Like those transitions, those 10 X moments. Yeah. I think since the launch of the book really, I'm like in one of those 10 X moments and they, they are crazy dude. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm here right now in this place where it's like, okay, everything that I set out to do six years ago, you know, like build a cafe, um, inspire people to work at coffee differently, uh, create a text that allows them to do that. You yeah. know, like all of these goals that I felt were like, Oh, maybe I'll achieve that in 30 years. You're like, they're done, you know. Yeah. So, so now I'm sitting here and I'm I'm thinking, okay, well, what is what is the next? You yeah. know, like what are those next goals? What is that next ten x yeah. jump? And and in feeling those responsibilities shift, it's yep. so strange. It's like startling almost. Yeah. You know? Like I'm so used to seventy hours a week behind the bar making drinks and and working, you yep. know. And now my life is like, okay, I wake up, I do my yoga. Yeah, you know, like I, I go into the cafes, I check in on everything. I do six interviews and meetings, and I'm meeting with investors and mentors and uh, you know, reporters. And then I do a little bit on my computer, run my payroll, and I'm 
clocked, you know? And it, it's like this crazy, it's this crazy realization that like, okay, things are, we're in, in this transition period, you know, yeah. where the schedule is changing, the world is changing, the responsibilities are changing. Yeah. And, and having a team that I've been able to trust to kind of take on those tasks that I've started to move beyond yeah. has been this wildly surreal feeling of yeah. like, I don't even feel like I'm working. Like I'm yeah. still working 70, 80 hours a week, but I don't even feel like it because I'm in this next stage of the journey that is so different and, yeah. and so new and fresh. Fuck, dude, this is so good. And it's funny because like uh, Ben's a good friend of mine. And so part of I joined this challenge for 10x is easier than 2x. And part of the challenge is I had to buy 50 copies of his book. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a I have a I have a spare copy that I'm definitely going to give you. Um, and it's it's so good. I love that. Do... That's the most part of this challenge. <laughs> buy 50 copies of my book. <laughs> I'm going to start a challenge. It's a 10x challenge. The first the first step is buy 50 copies of the new copy. That's so good. <laughs> At retail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. So there's so many places I want to go. And one of the things that I think would be really good and also foundational and very insightful for everyone listening as well is I'm, I'm going to read this chunk of this came from your book. But I think part of what has engineered your, your success or another one of those things where I don't think you were intentional yeah. about it, right? But like – I truly believe that people sense the authenticity and passion that comes with living in alignment with who you always 100%. are. And so this comes from your book. I'll just read it. And then I want you to kind of expand on it a little bit. But it says, when I opened Discourse, my coffee shop in rural Door County, Wisconsin in 2017, I had a singular purpose to awaken my community to the new possibilities for coffee. I wanted to express myself through coffee and empower others to do the same, incorporate techniques from modern mixology and the molecular gastronomy. Man, you're so intelligent. And most <laughs> of all, determine if there wasn't even an audience for a coffee experience that focused on unique local ingredients and over-the-top preparation. So I, I, I pulled that out because I think it highlights how willing you were to just say, this is my sole focus 100%. right now. This is my purpose right now. And you, you found it in a really unique place. So I, I wanted to maybe talk about that a little bit on like what was going through your mind as a 23 year old to maybe jump in on and declare, this is my purpose right yep. now in a place that like has never been done before it was new territory and so i would just love for you to maybe share a little bit about what was going on in your head when you made that jump and kind of how you discovered that almost absolutely yeah and i i want to say first you know the i had no business acumen so my uh, business side of things was wildly unintentional but the drinks you know, the drinks from day one were a product of extreme intention you know and and that was really kind of the impetus for that that quote that was really the, kind of the impetus for discourse was this idea that coffee could be extremely evocative, extremely expressive, extremely narrative, mm -hmm. um, and that all it needed was that extra layer of intentionality mm -hmm. to bring it over the edge, right? You know, I, I grew up an opera singer, a musician, um, and the more that I've thought about my life, the forensics, the comedy sports, the little things that have all kind of uh, compiled onto one another, the one through line of all of it is narrative it's storytelling and mm. and for me what i realized was that i am a storyteller like i live to take in inspiration and breathe out story mm. um and 
I had always done it through music. When I moved to Dua County, there wasn't as much of a musical community. I had kind of moved past opera. I was in this weird stage with a breakup where I wasn't playing as much music, but I needed this. I needed this creative outlet in my life. Um, and I had fallen in love with coffee when I was studying opera in Italy. It was just like this little tradition that we, I would do every morning, you know, taking my special shot back. And, and like the most traditional, the most traditional. Um, but it had become this very special thing, and I dove myself into it as a hobby. I had essentially a little coffee shop in my house. You know, like, mm -hmm. I should probably do something with that. Uh, and when I saw the show for the first time, it was like winter in Door County. I'm managing this little beer bar. I know nobody. Um, and I'm watching this show uh, called Chef's Table. And I saw Dominique Crenn, uh, who will mm. probably come up again, yep. uh, and her episode on Chef's Table, and it shook my entire world. You know, like, growing up, we talked about Country Buffet. That was, like, our standard, you know, fine dining as a kid for me. That was, was a Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, like, like Olive Garden. That was, that was like... Peanuts on the floor. Yeah, dude, that is a service touch. You know, like, the, those were those moments of magic for me as a kid, right? So to see Dominique Crenn and this 80-inch, you know, screen uh, putting together poetic cuisine was mind-numbing to me. It was it was something I had never even thought about. You know, and, and if you're unfamiliar with what Dominique Crenn does as a chef, she, her menu is literally a poem. She writes a poem. It's anywhere between 12 and 16 lines, and every course is a line of that poem. So, Fuck, every, so cool. every course is a representation of that line. Um, and when I went to dine at Atelier Crenn, it was like, what what is even happening to me right now? You know, like it was just this unbelievably emotive experience because I, I had no idea you could do that, right? You know, yeah. I, I had no idea that as as a bartender, or as a chef, or as a drink maker, that you could actually convey emotional, narrative driven experiences that tell the stories that are important to you. That was something that I, I didn't even comprehend. Yeah. Uh, and so when I saw that and knew I needed this creative outlet, I knew I loved coffee. Um, it became this burning question in my mind of like, okay, well, chefs are doing this. You know, the chefs are using food as a, as a narrative device. Um, and, and can this be done in coffee? Like, is it relevant? You know, coffee is something that is very much this rote daily routine, you know, and, and has been that for, for many, 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 many years. And so for me, it was like, okay, can I take this thing that is seen as so commonplace for so many people? It is the number one consumed drug in the world, right? Mm -hmm. like, like this is the world's most popular beverage because of daily routine consumption. Can I take this thing and make it into something that is much more than that? Can I make it into something that is narrative? Can I make it into something that is emotional? Can I make it into something that is nostalgic? And and so it really all started from that question. Like, can we do with coffee what chefs like Dominique Crenn were doing with food? Um, we found a really, really, really affordable location, you know, that needed some plumbing work. Um, <laughs> and it became that thing for us where it was like, okay, like we just got to, I, I need, I need this question answered, you know? And I'm that, I'm that kind of guy. I know you're kind of that kind of guy. Like when I fixate on something, I, I need it answered. I can't, I can't just be like, oh no, well like maybe that's a question somebody else could answer. Like I, I need to know, like, like does this work? Could this work? And, yeah. and it was really a crapshoot, man. Like it really could have gone either way. I remember the first couple of weeks of doing discourse and it was like, we, like a hundred dollar day was like, 
Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, we're waking in the big bucks now. You know, like, we're, like, barely making rent. You know, like, not paying ourselves anything. That was, like, a great day. You know, it, like, it, it really could have really gone either way. Um, and, and we were just incredibly lucky to have people who, who saw what we were trying to do and who were excited about it and, and who wanted to, to share it with, with others. Dude, oh my god. Like this is gonna be like a four parter or whatever, right? <laughs> like this is so good. I, I think you're right. I like we definitely like obsession is an understatement sometimes. Yeah. Like like for me it's <laughs> yeah, like when yeah. I get this worm in my brain, I can't fucking sleep. Yes. I can't like I sit and Leo will tell you like I literally like dream about automations and like spreadsheets and like <laughs> yeah. I, and, like how to connect with people like all these things like the details and like but but just to kind of peel back this for some people just some patterns that I recognize as you were talking it's like you went through and you saw this golden thread and the crumbs the breadcrumbs and I like I've talked I've had this conversation so many times now it's just such an obvious pattern that like you have to look to your past. You yes. have to look to those stories, those those uh, old country buffet moments. Yes. And like all of these things are hints at what you value yes. and you have to reassemble it. And the fact that like I can just imagine you having this kid in the candy shop moment of like, oh, my God, I didn't realize that I could tell story in a new format yes. and leverage coffee as a platform for doing that. And then having that question of like that, that beautiful question of what if like what does it look like? If I do this, that right? to me and is like, the most important question in the world. Right, like, that's yeah. the founder's question. Yeah, like if, if you want to embody the mindset of a founder of anything in any field, you need to be more comfortable with asking the question, "What if?" Yeah, right. That that is the beginning of everything. Yeah, and, and I think that there are a lot of people in this world, and the world actually wants us to be this way. That. They work very hard in corporate America to make us feel like we are only a cog in a system. You know, we have this one very defined role. And usually that one very defined role only has to do with one thing in our lives, and that's whatever our degree was in. Right. And, and uh, find me one person who defines themselves uh, as a human right. by the, what their degree was in. Right? right. Like, we are all so much deeper than that yeah. as people. And I think knowing that and being in touch with that past you, being in touch with the, all of those experiences that have built you and – coming to terms with what that has made you and what that has brought you to is like the first step. Like yeah. when you see that and you realize that, and then you ask that question of like, okay, this person that I am, what if this person that I am brought this into the world? Yeah. Like that's that's well, when that's, new things happen. Yeah, that's so, oh man. And what an exciting time to be alive too, right? Because it's like, we're entering this world, especially in the world that I live in. It's like automation and AI, all this kind of stuff I think is empowering small entrepreneurs to move faster right 100%. i think the future is less big organizations and it's more people that are in alignment with their natural superpowers and finding ways to leverage ai to express more of that in the world 100%. and it's like it's it's just really really empowering and it's really cool to see what happens when you take that opportunity to make that jump and give yourself that full permission and it was funny because you i texted you this the other day that that paragraph i wrote about curious people whatever yes. like how much does this resonate with yes. you and you're like 10 because <laughs> it's like i i truly believe that curiosity is like the foundation yes. of everything and so i'm going to be creating a lot more content around uh, curiosity because I think it's literally just what unlocks everything. So. I totally agree, 100%. I yeah. think that's like the number one skill you can have as a as a, a founder, you know? I And I think there are people who need to be around you uh, who can 
help you get to the other ends of those questions. Yeah. You're like, I'm really good at being curious and I'm mm. really good at asking what if, and I'm really good at envisioning a, a more ideal future in my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but having people around who are really good at like, taking that in oh, and, okay. and making it a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, I'm going to have to send you this. So I don't know if, do you know Dean Jackson? He's a really no. famous marketer. So this is my world or whatever. So, so Dean Jackson and Joe Polish have this podcast called I Love Marketing and they started it way back in the day or whatever. But Dean Jackson came up with this concept that eventually became the who not how concept from Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy. But the concept originally, I didn't know this until the other day, but it was called the self-milking cow, right? And the idea, the idea I behind love that name, yeah, exactly. about it. So, so Dean Jackson's <laughs> whole thing was like, there's like two kinds of people in the world and there's none that's inherently good or inherently bad, but you have the cows that produce the milk and the cows are fucking useless unless they have a farmer to produce the milk and put it out in the right. world right and so it's like i think you and i are cows right and like we're the ones that are constantly coming up with new right. ideas we're producing right. shit and like the problem is is if you're trying to be a self-milking cow you're milking yourself <laughs> like you never you never see a cow that's trying to milk itself and put its products out into the world right like you need you need a combination of the farmers that are <laughs> i've never heard this analogy and i love it it's great i didn't realize that i don't know why self milking cow got lost in the who not how translation i'm like where is this because this is hilarious but it really shouldn't have that needs no. to be like the first page of every business manual is <laughs> don't you, be a self-milking can cow. you not imagine it's just a picture of a cow just like with its hooves <laughs> and its udder trying to like squeeze some shit together but maybe yeah. that'll be the name of my future consultancy <laughs> self-milking cow <laughs> oh man so so let's let's like follow this a little bit more because i think like there's there's layers, right? And so the first layer for you was like stepping into that version of you and you giving yourself 100%. that full permission to pursue something of that what if question and answering it, right? And so the the other thing that I thought would be really interesting to talk about is how you started to build your philosophy around coffee. Because yeah. I think that's another one, that's another thing that this movement that you're literally creating is you're creating a new way of thinking. It's not just the liquid drinks that people are consuming. 100%. You have taken this passion of liquid storytelling yes. and and translating that into an experience and this is becoming a philosophy that people can now view coffee from a different perspective it's a fundamental perspective yes. shift and so i'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit about how you built your philosophy and like maybe expand on a little bit more of like what liquid storytelling is i know you kind of talked about it absolutely. in the credit world but yeah absolutely i I really appreciate that you see that and acknowledge that because you know, that, that is really what we've been trying to build is this new understanding of what can be done as a barista. You know, the, the, what I always talk about in relation to this is when you think about your favorite cocktail bars, right? Like what a bartender does is they take some of the world's best spirits, spirits that they know and they love, and they translate it through their own voice and their own experience into unique and delicious cocktails that we as people want to consume. And mm -hmm. we want to consume them because we have an emotional response to them because there was so much thought and intention and love put into that cocktail. Um, in the coffee world, you know, the third wave coffee movement, which started about 20 years ago, coined by Trish Rothgeb, um, third wave is all about transparency. Right? And what that means is that the barista is a mouthpiece in third wave coffee. Really, the ultimate barista, what they do in the third wave is just not fuck shit up. Mm. Like they, they take the intention of the farmer, of the mill, of the roaster, and then they translate that intention as 
accurately as they can to the intentionality of the producers before them. Hmm. I think that's beautiful, and I think there's a place for that, and I think we've celebrated that for 20 years. But when we first started Discourse, there was this huge amount of pushback in the third wave community of you're taking these beautiful coffees and you're fucking them up. You're, hmm, you're, you're really? adding these syrups and these milks and these these bitters and you're, you're shaking them and smoking them and, you know, like just serve the damn coffee. It's beautiful. Right. And and I think that that is valuable. But I also think how boring would cocktail bars be if we held them to the same standards? Right, right. Just serve the scotch. It's beautiful. <laughs> you know, like like obviously we go to bars because there was expression there was love there was life um and that life is driven by the vision of the bartenders who work there by the vision of the beverage director who helms that program and so for us at discourse really what it was was about acknowledging the beauty of the product that we had to work with acknowledging the producer acknowledging the processor acknowledging the roaster but saying hey i as a barista have an inherently unique perspective and that inherently unique perspective can be expressed by using your gorgeous product as a base mm. and on that product i will build my own story mm. right that that was really the whole framework that we started with discourse was can we turn the role of the barista from simply a translator a mouthpiece into a narrator a mm. storyteller um, their own vision quest of what they wanted to put out into the world and so that is really the the core of the philosophy is saying let's not forget that coffee is beautiful and that we've made enormous advances in coffee quality and processing and milling and farming and uh, distribution over the last 20 years um let's not forget that let's honor that let's celebrate that we have a pour over bar at our, at our coffee shops but let's take that and instead of making that the goal of what we do as a coffee shop let's make that the baseline Obviously, mm -hmm. we're going to serve amazing coffee. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're going to support and represent our farmers, our producers, our processors, our roasters. Obviously. Why should that be our goal? You know, and instead, let's make the goal the creation of unique and engaging customer experiences. Mm. Right? That, that is really the, the center of the philosophy is that let's take this as a baseline and then let's move to that next step. Well, what do we actually want to create here? And, and so for Discourse, our philosophy is about this creation of unique and engaging guest experiences. And from there, it's just building that framework. Right, like how? How do we do that? And how do we do that in a way that's repeatable and approachable? And that is why we wrote the new out of coffee. Right, we wrote the new out of coffee to be that tool belt for everybody that can't work at Discourse. Mm -hmm. You know, this is our way of sharing this mentality with the world, sharing this philosophy with the world, sharing the toolkit that you need to build this philosophy with the world. Um, and we can even, you know, today we can go through an exercise. I can make a drink with you, a brand new drink with you literally right oh, now fuck let's do that All okay right. but hold on like before we get there <laughs> jesus <laughs> this is so this is so much fun i'm like this is thank you for doing this with me because it's unlocking like oh my god i've never done an in-person interview and like the, the the energy is so different it's so different than staring at someone on a screen but there, there, there was so there was so much that you said there that i i want to not only maybe if you didn't see this way, share a reflection yeah. at you, uh, but also like unpack some things just on my observation for, for those of us or those of you listening right now. But 
one of the things that you were talking about that I think is so, so powerful is, and my friend Michael Roderick talks about this a lot, but it's the fact about creating a counter narrative. And yep. the idea is that no movement is created unless you kind of take a stance against something. 100%. And that's like, I think you were doing it in a respectful way, but you were saying there could be so much more, right? And like, that's what creates engagement is like yes. when you take a stand for something. And so I think that that not only was bold, but it's also an example and uh, uh, something that we can all take away is like, what is it that you stand for? And if it flies in the face of convention, it actually can create a movement. Like there's no movement that's created if you're just being fluffy all the time about yes. everything, right? And so you did have to take some stances. And I'm sure there were probably lots of uncomfortable conversations where you were doubting whether or not, like these are people that are an established, you know, 100%. you know, you know, established roasters and that kind of stuff. And like, what the hell are you doing to my coffee, right? You know, it's just like, and, and the other thing too, that I think is super powerful is like, it goes back to curiosity and what ifs. I think the most curious what if questions place constraints, Yes. right? And I think that's part of what you did. It's like, how do I take liquid brown stuff, right? And create <laughs> a story around it. And like that two-part question, it eliminates so much. Yes. And you have to play within that box. And once yes. you put yourself into that teeny little box, it creates so much. Last thought that I want to say that that, that that was so cool in what you said is the person that I interviewed uh, last week or two weeks ago, Stephen M. R. Covey, son of son, yeah. of, son of Stephen Covey, um, and he he wrote this book called Come, um, Trust and Inspire. And what what his stance on the whole thing is is that the past leadership was based on command and control, right? It's like I'm going to tell you what to do, and you're going to go do yep. it, right? And that's kind of what was running through my head as you were talking about third wave. It's like you go, you you yep. do this, right? But what Stephen talks about in Trust and Inspire is that the next wave of inspiration and what we're so hungry for is our prime. One of our primary human needs as humans is to feel inspired, yes. right? And and not only once we feel inspired, it and if we feel trusted at the same time, it creates a whole new dynamic of leadership yes. where you feel empowered to create. And so one of the translations I made in my head as you were talking is that you you took the narrative from command and control. This is how coffee needs to be. This is what you need to do. This is how it's done, yep. which is very prescriptive. And you translated it into a new philosophy around, hold on, wait a second. What if it was more trust and inspire? Yes. What if I can show you what's possible yes. and empower you and entrust you? And you literally take people, you open the kimono on this thing, right? Like 100%. this is, this is, and it, th that's bold too, right? Cause so many people could take what you've done and put it in a fucking vault and never let anyone see it. Right? I had a lot of because people like, tell me not to write this book. I had a lot of people tell really? me not to write this Talk book. about that. I mean, you know, this is um, this is a magician writing a book and revealing about secrets. all of his secrets. Yeah. Right? Like, I had a lot of people tell me not to write this book. But for me, the whole goal of this has always been to enable more people to think this way. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to just lock this stuff up in a vault. Yeah. Like, and that's an it's, abundance it's, mindset. Wait, it's not about the money for me. You know, yeah. like what it's about is a, it's about this movement. It's about empowering baristas. It's about empowering creativity. It's about empowering people to share their stories. Right. Yeah. And like, that is so much more valuable and so much more powerful than a couple of recipes behind lock and key, you know? And, and I, I think that if more of us thought from an abundance mindset, I think if more of us thought from a, a mindset of like, I'm going to share my shit, think of how many cool magicians, 
magicians would be around if magicians <laughs> shared their secrets, right? <laughs> like every party would have a magician. We'd be happier as a people <laughs> if magicians shared their secrets. But it forces you to evolve, right? 100%. Like that's part of what you're Absolutely. doing too. And that's like, the thing. It's, it's like, like here's the starting line, baby. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. like uh, start here and like catch me. Yeah, you know, and, and like <laughs> like that that keeps you that keeps you going. That keeps you innovating. That keeps you moving. You know, I, even even the process of writing this book, right? Because it's about a three year process to to put this book into the world. And um, I noticed now, you know, at my cafes now, we serve a couple of these drinks. And we actually serve them a little bit differently than I wrote in the book. And the reason that is is because my palate when I made that recipe four years ago is a little bit different than my yeah. palate now after, after four years in the industry. And it's a little bit different than my palate after having, you know, 14 trained baristas around me now who are all tasting these drinks and, and thinking with me and working with me and putting th new things into the world. And so, you know, it is this kind of constantly evolving experience. You know, we have well over 250 recipes in our catalog. This is a selection of 40, um, you know, and it's it really is for me. It's like, take these recipes, use them, put them into the world. I love that because at Discourse, we're, we're putting out four new drinks every single month. Every single month, we have four new drinks coming into the world. So uh, catch us. We, we want you to. Like, please, please, challenge, put these things into the world. Someone and, and throw, throw down with Ryan for Let's you, barista. Let's go. You barista. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there's – oh, man, that's so cool. And it, it's, it's, it's classic 10x exponential abundance thinking is what you're doing, right? Like, and that is so cool. So um, there's maybe, like – I can almost smell the manicotti right now, right? Like, so we have we have we have dinner up ahead of us that we're gonna enjoy, and we might have to continue to part two, or there might be a game night in the future. I don't know what the the, the night's always gonna a game unfold. night in the future. Yeah, right, exactly. But um, I thought what would be really cool to do is to talk about some of your drinks and unpack your creative process yeah, around absolutely. them, and then. You also gave the offering of creating a drink in real time, which is sounds fucking awesome too. So like I don't know, maybe that's part two. I don't know what it is, but like like let's let's talk a little bit about just because people have heard. Okay, we're talking about off the wall drinks. We talked about Kren, which I don't think we've closed that loop nope. quite yet. Um, but but one of the things I was reading your book before bed last night, knowing that we would be talking, and and I saw something in there that was like a what the fuck, seriously, like how did you do that? What did you do? So I thought it'd be cool to talk about some drinks. I love it, and then some of the thoughts behind them, and the one that gave me the well, I'll give you some, I'll give you options, right? So I you, love can, you can you can share down. So love me an option. So one of my favorite drinks is Motorhead, and I've had the I chance to actually try it, I, and it has tried it. So so the thing that comes inside of the book, it says, when life gives you pork fat and apple cores, you make caramel, <laughs> right? So so there's there's door number one is Motorhead. Door number two is a drink that I haven't tried, but the fact that this exists in the world just makes me lose a little bit of sleep, that like you created something that, that, that did this. The Matrix reference. I knew you were going to say, I was going to say, can what? I guess? <laughs> What the fuck, man? The Matrix, like, 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 seriously. And 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 from what I saw in the book, if I remember correctly, Matrix reference took over forty iterations yes. to get right. So, An anyways, anyways, maybe we can cover both. But like, where do you want to go? Do you want to talk about Motorhead or? Matrix I think we reference? can do both. Okay, I think I can breeze through Motorhead and then okay. drop in a all Matrix. All right, all right, let's do it. All right. So, Motorhead was actually a project. So I. For one winter, I did a consultant uh, role at a restaurant in Milwaukee Hill called Birch and Butcher. Um, and I came on to basically uh, redo their coffee program. They had a little cafe up front. Yeah. Uh, and then learn how to bartend. Um, through circumstances, I ended up being their interim bar director. That's a story for another time. Uh, but I was working on this cafe. 
And the first order of business for me, whenever I go into a new space, whenever I'm consulting, is really to get an idea of the waste footprint of that establishment. Something mm. that I become really, really passionate about is creating these things called closed loop ecosystems. So it's basically where you investigate all of the waste generated by the establishment and then figure out ways that you can re-optimize it into new products. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing I did at, at Birch was I went in and I looked in the walk-in cooler and two of the things that I saw were a ton, a ton of Granny Smith apples because they use these Granny Smith apples for this yogurt parfait that they did for brunch um, and an enormous amount of pork and rendered pork fat. Um, and in my head, it's like, okay, well, this is these are all probably – there's waste products here, right? Because yeah. when you trim that pork, they did all their butchering in-house. Um, when you trim that pork, you have a lot of this pork fat left over that typically is either destined for the bin or it's going to coat some french fries. You know, uh, one of those were the two options. The other thing I noticed was, okay, when you cut those apples because you dice them for that yogurt parfait, you have a bunch of apple cores. And there's a lot of flavor still within that apple core. And so my thought was, okay, how do we create – these two things into a new ingredient um, that could generate a new latte into the world. And so we made this pork fat and apple caramel. And it sounds like something that's really, really out there. But when you really break it down, it's like, well, all caramel is fat-based. Usually we use butter. And so using that pork fat was just like a slight tweak. You know, uh, same caramel recipe, just putting in the pork fat instead of the butter, one-for-one one switch. And when we tasted this caramel, it was like, oh, whoa. You know, like there's some unctuousness here. There's some sweetness. There's some saltiness. It was beautiful. Um, and so then it was, okay, how do we build a drink around this? Like, what is the story here beyond just these ingredients? Uh, and the story we settled on was the story of, of Motorhead, right? This this mm, heavy metal mechanic wrenching in a garage, simping a latte. Uh, and like, what what would that person be drinking? What What is the badass concoction that would be in that mug? And this pork fat caramel was like, yeah, like, that's something I feel you could feel real cool talking about. And Biker so, dude. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, I love my pork fat sipping caramel. From, <laughs> sipping from his, like, little <laughs> teacup. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pinky out. <laughs> uh, and so it was like we how do we build around this and so we took that core ingredient we layered it with chai we layered it with root beer bitters which added this kind of festive um sweet bitter sarsaparilla deep spice character to the latte and then on top we took more of those apple slices the apple slices that had actually been wasted the ones that were browning out we took them and dehydrated them into a powder and then we took that powder and put it on the top with a little bit of smoked sea salt just to kind of bring back some of that smokiness that you would have gotten if we had rendered that pork fat. Um, and so it was really just combining these elements to highlight this ingredient and tell this story of, you know, what would this badass motor mechanic want to drink? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's kind of how Motorhead came into the world. After that stint at Birch, we loved it so much that we took it with us. And we've served it at the cafes on, on multiple occasions after that. Um, Matrix reference was really out there, man. Uh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm, really I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause you for a second because Motorhead is delicious, right? And so, like, if you're listening to this and you get a chance to not only pick up a copy of The New Art of Coffee, you can experiment. Recipes in there, baby. Recipes in there. That's one of the 40 that made it, right? Or if you ever end up in the Milwaukee area, go check out Discourse. And I don't know. It's one of those things. That's the other cool thing that you do about Discourse. It's like 
you can't get it right like like because it's <laughs> yeah, like like you yeah. hear this and you might be dying to go get yourself some motorhead but you're gonna have to freaking wait because ryan's she a ain't on the menu right yeah, now <laughs> he's a he's a he's a mysterious guy right so um man so so cool and i yeah so let's let's dive into the the matrix reference and i'm just gonna sneak this in here uh because this is my first time doing an in-person recording you are so animated when you talk if there's any slamming on the table it's because ryan is i slam things way too excited and he's a <laughs> Hulk smasher. So if you couldn't slam on the table as much when you explain the Matrix reference, I will do my best your not to my slam friend. the table. Uh, no problem. Uh, and then we'll take a manicotti break, probably. I love me a manicotti break. Uh, so Matrix reference. Um, this guy was super fun. So I discovered an ingredient called Miracle Berry. Um, have you ever heard of Miracle Berry? Not until the last book? night at 11.59 p.m. It, when I'm going cr- through the New Art of Coffee. It's but crazy, I man. need me some Miracle Berry it, now. It's crazy. So Miracle Berry is a fruit that grows in Florida and then parts of Southeast Asia. Um, it is an incredible fruit that contains within it a glycoprotein called miraculin. And what miraculin does is it temporarily rewires our taste buds to taste sweet in place of sour. So you can taste, you can eat a lemon as a hand fruit, and it tastes sweet and juicy and succulent. It's an unbelievable uh, tool. I'm just, okay, so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, when I read this, I'm trying to comprehend. Like, my brain can't, and that's why you named it the Matrix Reference, right? Because you're literally yes. shifting someone's fucking paradigm with, like, a It's drink. a red pill. It's I a, mean, yeah. that's why we like named it, it Matrix so, Reference. So, it's in the form of this red pill. So, so like... I'm trying to figure out what would happen if I did this. So I take this miracle berry. It's like a freaking Mario power up. And then I can, I can scale, I can go underneath tubes. I can, I can crawl in clouds. That's and kind exactly of stuff. it actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then while I'm up in the cloud in Mario land or whatever, <laughs> I find a lemon and I eat the lemon and what it like. So it's the same. I, I it's not the same experience of eating. I can't even imagine what that's like. Like try to picture if you, you were, took a lemon and doused it in granulated sugar okay so you have that sweetness to kind of balance that acidity huh it creates this or another example would be pineapple if you've ever done pineapple in salt water where it takes away some of that astringency and some of that bite if hmm. you like love pine this is a hack everybody if you love pineapple and you get sad when you eat too much of it and it dries out your mouth <laughs> um, soak it in salt water it goes away you can what? eat as much pineapple as you want yep life hack okay all right all right <laughs> but Back to Matrix reference. Yeah, um, it it's it's a crazy experience. It's very hard to explain. You know, it's it's one of those things that you really have to experience. And I actually had guests sign waivers before they did this drink uh, to let them know that I'm going to fundamentally be altering your sense of taste for the next twenty to forty minutes. Please sign you this should waiver integrate, to appreciate you, dude, that. You need to fucking inter- <laughs> oh my god, you need to integrate waivers again because I'm about to fucking have to sign a waiver before I try a drink. <laughs> People loved it, dude. Oh People my god, loved it. That so. is. So okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. So, so it's a so, red pill. So, so okay. So we we walked into the discourse, right? We hear about Miracle Berry, uh-huh. and, and we decide to take the red pill, and we have a contract slid across the desk <laughs> to us. We sign our life away, and Ryan behind the counter tinkers a little bit as he creates the Matrix reference. Okay, continue. You're never gonna forget this. You know, that's a, you know, and so this drink was done as part of our winter menus, and our winter menus in Door County were fun, man, because they were. We knew that we were going to see maybe 15 people across the course of that day. So it didn't matter if a drink took seven minutes to build, which Matrix Reference did. Okay. Um, because 
we were going to have the time. And so we had this ability to like offer these insane experiences, you know, that would pretty much never work today in a, in a more high volume situation like we have in Milwaukee. You know, this drink took like six or seven minutes to build. So after you ordered it, you know, you, you just signed this waiver and now you're sitting there and you're watching me create this this drink which did take about 40 renditions and and it took so many renditions because we were working with these very strange ingredients in these very minute quantities um and, and also because you were probably this is one of your questions you couldn't sleep at dude, night it was right really like, one of those questions you're like you're like i have to make something with i this. needed to m highlight the miracle berry right i needed to highlight the fact that this was a red pill because that that's why this matrix reference name made sense right it was taking you into this other world and so part of what we talked about before was contrast right it's like we define new movements by that contrast and so i knew for matrix reference we needed to create contrast and so the drink what it ended up being was we plated it on this long mirrored plate and we had three sets of glasses okay and the first set of glasses you had um a bottom they were all bottom like whiskey tumblers old-fashioned glasses on the bottom and then all three of them had stemless wine glasses on top Hmm. Um, so in the first and the third old-fashioned glasses, what we did is we placed cut-up lemons, cut-up limes, kiwis, strawberries. Uh, and in the second, we put in like those Japanese sour candies that are like too, too sour. Yeah. Um, and we put these in each of these old-fashioned glasses. And we, we, we told people, wait on those. Um, on top, the guest saw me pour the exact same drink into both glasses, right? And so they saw... This is the same liquid. It's like a it's, magician. Exactly. Like, pick a card. Exactly. It's right in front of you. And sleeves, exactly. sleeves are drawn. You're, you're okay. seeing it, right? Yep. You're seeing the same drink get poured into both glasses. And so you are being primed mentally and emotionally. Like, I'm going to have the same experience here. It's the same drink. And in between those two glasses, we put that Miracle Berry tablet. And we smoked out the dome that it was hidden. So it was when you got this service, it was this smoke-filled center and then two of the identical drinks with sour candies underneath. And so what we instructed the guests to do was, okay, here's a, you're gonna drink that first drink, and that first drink, this is why it took so many iterations to get right. Um, that first drink was sour, and we needed it to be sour, but not unpleasantly sour. So it was, it was figuring out that balance. You know, all the many times in drink making, our goal is to create a balanced drink, right? Yeah. And what we were doing was we were creating a drink that was, was intentionally so ridiculously unbalanced off -balance. Yeah. so that the pill could balance it in the second glass. But that unbalanced drink still had to be enjoyable, right? You still you still wanted to get through the five ounces of it. Yeah. So it was figuring out how do we create this drink that is acidic Wasn't enough to be unbalanced, but delicious enough to still be something you wanted to ingest in a happy manner. And so, <laughs> so you know, we, we went through probably 40 iterations of this thing of figuring out, okay, how, how far is too far? How do we just pull it back just a little bit, you know? And so you drank this first drink. It was, it was sour, but delicious. Then you took this Miracle Berry tablet. You waited a couple minutes. Wait, wait, hold on. I want to zoom in here. You, did you make this tablet? Or did no, you? Okay. The tablets are okay. bought. And you can actually buy these online. It's, it's from a company called Mberry. Okay. And you can buy it on Amazon. I mean, they're, they're super, super, super available. Okay. So if you want to have this little, they call it flavor tripping uh, experience at home, you can absolutely do this with your friends. Get some tablets online. Uh, we have a reference for buying them in the book. Uh, but they are, they're great. And they're really accessible. Uh, so you take this little, And if you die, by the way, and you didn't sign the yep, contract that yep, was ahead uh, of time. My fault. <laughs> Disclaimer of our right now, waiver. Uh, seven figure millennials is not responsible for the consumption of this product. Um, but it, 
it's a really, 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 really fun experience. So you drank this first drink, you took this pill, you waited a couple minutes, and then I had you start in on the second drink. And uh, knowing what you know and seeing what you've seen, your thought is, okay, the second drink should taste exactly the same. And you taste it, and now suddenly it's balanced. That uh, that acidity has become sweetness, and it, it's created this beautiful, balanced cocktail. Uh, and And that, for me, was a moment of like, yeah, this is cool. You know, like th- this is something that I really, really, really want to share with people. And those citrus fruits and those uh, those sour candies were really just those those one ups, those uh, extra experiential things, things that I had enjoyed doing on Miracle Berry and my experimentation. You know, and and I wanted to give that experience to the guests. Like, hey, try that lemon pretty good try that orange try that sour candy you know having a warhead that tastes like an a skittle is a crazy experience you know it's these like little disarming moments that create an experience for somebody that that they've never had and those experiences are what we build discourse off of right those experiences that you cannot forget those experiences that remain ingrained in you those experiences that um shape your perception of what coffee or tea can actually be those experiences that make you take a step back and say holy shit how did this happen you know that that's how we built um discourse and and i think prior to us kind of introducing this way of thinking in the coffee space uh, there, it just wasn't happening you know coffee was a place of comfort and 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 seeing the uh, discomfort be brought into the coffee space over the last five years seeing baristas get more and more adventurous about what and how they want to purvey the coffee experience has been so so exciting and you know there's just this little part of me that hopes drinks like matrix reference were, were a part of that it, I mean that if that isn't liquid storytelling, I don't know what is. Like that is I now I'm gonna have to make make you make me liquid like, <laughs> ma- like dude, I, I'm not gonna fucking make that. Like I'm gonna have to <laughs> You just have, have to, to find sumac and gonna, onion, preserve lemon. I'm gonna have to tie you down one day and say, you know, you can ignore all your press opportunities and you have to figure out how to make me a matrix reference because that's just freaking Go forge incredible. me some sumac. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. Okay, so so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna leave us on a cliffhanger, and we're gonna go have some manicotti. So here's here's the here's the cliffhanger, and um, this is so dangerous of a cliffhanger, it may need to get edited out. Uh, so <laughs> so so here's the context behind this question. I went to Ryan's book launch, and I got to meet somebody that's really really important in the discourse world, Olivia. Uh, I met Olivia before, but I talked to Olivia at at the station, and I said, hey. I'm interviewing Ryan, and I'd be interested to ask him a question that would be really, really fun. Uh, do you have any ideas? And she said two words, pawpaw. Oh, my God. And so she told me I had to ask you ahead of time if I could even ask this question. Oh, my God. But if we can't talk about pawpaw, I want to talk about tobacco. We, and they're the should... same story. Okay, we can talk right, about them right. both. So, so, so there's the cliffhanger is the word pawpaw. <laughs> And we will return after some manicotti. I'm gonna call do, Olivia later. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want? Do you want to add to the suspense? Is there anything you want to add before that we have to go to the next part of the conversation? Uh, poison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dun dun dun! All right, sounds good. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>